everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Before the Downbeat, a musical podcast. I am your host, Ginger McKenzie. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've heard her voice, you know her. She is the Canadian B. Arthur, the director extraordinaire, the John Adams of Canadian theater. It is Miss Autumn Smith. Oh, hello, hello, everybody. Hello. And we're excited to say, back from her star turn in our uh, Rent Review, which I must say is one of our most listened to episodes, Uh it is none other than Ms. Jessica Maxwell from Portable 303. Hello, Jessica Maxwell. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for coming back. This was one of the first things we said after we recorded um, Rent was, when is Jessica coming back and what show is it going to be on? Ooh. And it was like next no- normal. But when I spoiled the show. Um, <laughs> now there I'll you go, around. everybody. I'll We're cut. doing <laughs> next to normal. That's right. Nothing ordinary here. We're all next to normal. Exactly. The reason why I chose this piece, because this is not an autumn pick. Surprisingly, this is not an autumn pick. This is a Mackenzie pick. It's not an autumn pick, for sure. Nope. So, yeah, I chose it. And I chose it because I love the story. I love this human, messy story that portrays the imperfect nature of humans and families like musicals are i love musicals you all know after three seasons i love musicals are you sure yes (laughs) (laughs) but a lot of times they end on in in a nice bow it's all packaged up and everybody has resolved but this is a messy messy musical where there are moral debates that happen there are all types of problems that arise and it doesn't end perfectly. You're left kind of in the lurch at the end being like, what happened next? Is there an act three? Who knows? Let's hope not. <laughs> I don't want an act three because I like the way it ends. Uh, it's I, left open-ended. That, yeah. I like the fact that it is left open-ended. Yeah. That it just takes a really long time to get to the open ending. It is. It does. I mean, this is not a short uh, musical. Uh, we will get into kind of a little bit of why that kind of came to be. But I mean, the, I mean, yeah, but I mean, yes, the messiness of the story. And also, I love the mix of rock composition that ha- has that rock kind of sound to it in the music. But then you have Broadway actors bringing their kind of Broadway style singing to the music. And the mix of it just for some reason worked in my ears. I was like, oh, I actually get into this. Oh. That's so interesting because that is the thing that annoyed me the most about it. (laughs) I like, I, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. it. We'll get get into it. it. Yes, we will get into it. it. Um, Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of why I chose it. And then new thing for our podcast listeners is we have combined this section with the section of your first experiences because we found we, we, we were repeating ourselves. We don't want to put you through this stuff twice. You don't want so, to be redundant. Exactly. So yeah. instead, we're doing it all in one now. So the reason why 
I'm sorry, I explain why I chose it, but why, but my first experience with the show comes from my dear friend, Jessica Maxwell. That's I'm honored. Right. It's actually funny that you bring that up because I was, <clears throat> I was thinking about why you asked me to be a guest on this. And I was like, did I talk enough about this show in high school? And I guess I mm-hmm. did. You, ab- you absolutely did. Cause you and I, uh, uh, during, at the, at the time of May and June, every year we get into the Tony award debate. That's of right. What will win, what won't what will win. win. That's right. Yeah. And in 2009, this was the show you were like championing. You were like, this is the story. This is the show. And it's got a, it's got good, it's got a good beat to it. Like it's got a good story. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, clearly this is, clearly this is something that she actually really likes. So I got to check it out at least. I I, I got to kind of figure out what the heck this is. So sure enough, I went and watched it and I was hooked. And then my dad watched the Tony Awards performance and he is hooked. This is the one show he has said back in, if it ever comes to Toronto or back to Toronto, this is a show I want to see live. Oh, wow. So unfortunately, we didn't get to see it live too. I want to see it live too, because I, yeah, I'm feeling at a deficit with this one because I haven't seen the production. Yeah. I'm feeling like I'm just, judging it on the story that I'm reading mm-hmm. and the lyrics and yeah. the sound of the original cast record. So I'm a, I'm a bit of at a deficit on this one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this piece. So yeah, Jessica talked it up. I went and saw, or I went and watched the bootlegs. I also vividly remember the Broadway.com ads that would run at the beginning of each of the videos they would release. That, 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 that was the, it only hurts when I breathe. It only hurts when I cry. And, and it was all the voices. And it, then it does that. And it's another day next to normal. Now playing on Broadway at the Blue Theater. The New York Times calls this groundbreaking show brave and breathtaking. Much more than a feel-good musical. It is a feel-everything musical. Next to Normal, starring Alice Ripley in her legendary Tony Award-winning performance. So I remember all those ads. Uh, and then uh, my sister uh, sang Superboy and the Invisible Girl. Superboy and the Invisible Girl, son of steel and daughter of air. He's a hero, a lover, a prince. She's not there. She's not there. She's not. Nice. And she won first place and nailed the song. Nice. And she holds the distinction of actually making my mother cry. I've oh. never made my mother cry during a performance and my sister did it. So she's like, I made mom cry. So <laughs> bravo to you, Maddie. <laughs> well, so that's me and why how I first came to it. Autumn, tell us, how did you first come to this piece? Uh, I first came to it via this podcast when I was told we were doing it. So I was like, I guess I should listen to it a couple of times in the car as I'm picking up the children, take mm-hmm. my notes, read the things, watch some clips, and here I am. This there is my relationship to Next to Normal. Such a brief one. It's, it's uh, yes, it will probably remain brief. 
but that's okay. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I do not need to be on the same page as everybody else. No, you get to be the novice this time around. I get to be the novice in this musical, Mm -hmm. which is exciting. I'm here to learn, to soak it in. Well, we're ready for you. Okay, good. Jay Maxwell, as the person who kind of kickstarted all of this with your campaigning back in 2009 in Portable 303. Oh my God. <laughs> Jay Maxwell's fault. Jay Maxwell. uh, I'm the opposite and I am more in depth with, uh, with this musical. Um, mm-hmm. I got into it. Um, I thought it was, I didn't think that it was um, at the time of the Grammy or at the time of the Tonys rather. Um, I thought I got into it a year after the Tonys, but for timeline's sake, we'll say that it was around the time of the Tonys. Um, the time of the I, Tonys. Yeah. Um, I have a really good core group of friends who I go and see musicals with. And at the time, we were seeing a bunch of different stuff. And I always really kind of relied on what, on what they were interested in because I was just sort of starting to get back into theater. Mm-hmm. And they were seeing everything. So they raved about this show. They said the music was great and the cast was great and the story was great. And I was like, okay, well, I trust you guys. I'll go check it out. And this was before Instagram theater fan pages. And this was before clips were posted regularly on YouTube. So I only had the cast recording to rely on. And I listened to it and I liked that it was a rock musical because I was really into that at the time. And I was familiar with, um director michael grief from working in rent i was familiar with tom kitt who did the musical arrangements i knew jennifer damiano who played the original natalie when she was in spring awakening so there were a lot of parallels that i was like okay like i know all these different creatives and the cast were involved in it i'm gonna give this one a shot and i did (laughs) and i liked it (laughs) and here we are you let me the cd because i I did download it off limewire Remember LimeWire, kids? Yeah. Probably don't. <laughs> no. So, yeah. So, Jessica, that's how you came to this, was through some awesome theater friends. Autumn's yeah. a novice, and I'm in the middle. So, because I've actually <laughs> never seen this show live. I've only ever watched it through bootlegs and through the album. I saw it live. Did you see when it came back to Toronto? Once. Yep. It was the first national tour. Um, With Alice Ripley? Yep. Yeah. So people don't know, or people who won't know the story of this, because this is one, of, I think this is our most modern musical we've done. This is 2010, that this musical, or 2009, no, 2009. 2009. So I think this no. is our most modern show and people may not know it. So let me give you the elevator pitch rundown of what the plot is of this sucker. So here we go. So uh, the story centers around a suburban family of Dan, Diana, Natalie, and Gabe. Throughout the musical, the family struggles with managing uh, the mother, Diana's worsening bipolar disorder, uh, which has uh, manifested itself in Diana seeing the teenage version of uh, of the son, Gabe, who, as it is revealed, spoiler alert now, spoiler alert now for this big twist of the show, uh, Gabe has passed away as an infant. So this is her mind um, producing this teenage version of her son. So... They go through a bunch of tests uh, with medications and ultimately things really kind of break down for Dan and the family when she flushes the medication and attempts to celebrate Gabe's birthday. Uh, In the fallout of the birthday disaster, she then attempts to complete suicide 
after being egged on by this manifestation of Gabe. Uh, she does not complete suicide and is hospitalized. The doctor and Dan convince her to go through with uh, ECT, which is electro uh, electroconvulsive therapy uh, to help kind of uh, battle her bipolar disorder. Uh, Natalie is the only family member who says, I'm not on board with this, don't like this at all. As expected, Dana comes out of ECT and returns home. But as sometimes can happen, your memories are damaged. And so Dana and Natalie attempt to rebuild her memories in a better light and without the inclusion of Gabe. This tactic doesn't work because the doctor lets slip that, oh, by the way, how are you feeling about your son? Which then triggers Dana, Dana and Dana to have this big confrontation where they finally come to meet what happened with their son. The musical then culminates with Dana stopping medication, stopping ECT, and ultimately deciding just to go and face her grief. To do this, she leaves Dan uh, to go uh, live with her parents. Uh, Natalie ends her story forging ahead with her high school boyfriend, Henry, despite her worries that she'll end up like her mother because uh, they share a lot of the same character traits. Uh, Dan is left to kind of pick up the pieces of his family and is recommended a psychiatrist to help uh, him with his grieving process because he has not fully grieved for his son uh, and tried to kind of sweep it all under the rug. Uh, so he's left with that. And Dana ends the musical living with her parents, depressed, but more hopeful than ever, than she's ever been before. And that's the plot. I'd also say that it's sung through. Yes. it's yeah. well, well, it's very much like the mega musicals of the 80s, where you take mm -hmm. that sung through operatic style. Mm hmm In a rock opera context. <laughs> well, it's like J.C. Superstar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm hmm, mm -hmm. Autumn is not soul, I can tell. The life and time of Jesus wrapped up in two hours. Yep. Starting to question everything. Everything in my life. So this musical was written by Thomas Robert Kitt, is the composer, and mm -hmm. Ryan Yorkie, who is the playwright and lyricist. Mm -hmm. Let's start with Yorkie. He is an American playwright and lyricist. Um his work, he's really interested in exploring dark and controversial subject matter, such as in this, mental illness, ECT. grief, um, uh, you know, the the um, grossness of suburban lifestyle, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess. You know, what, what we neatly put away behind our white picket fences, which I think is fascinating, mm -hmm. and ethics in both psychiatry and public education. Mm -hmm. um, Prior to bringing Next to Normal to Broadway, he was affiliated with the Village Theater as associate artistic director. Um, while there, he wrote four page, um, four musicals, Funny Pages, uh, Making Tracks, The Wedding Banquet, and Play It by Heart. They were all staged oh, yeah. there. Um, he also de uh, developed a comprehensive new works program while he was at the Village Theater. Good called The Village Originals. Uh, and he's credited with the development of over 50 new musicals, including the 2010 Broadway sensation Million Dollar Quartet. Ah. That's pretty cool. That's, that that's cool. awesome that he's on the cutting edge of, you know, uh, paving mm -hmm. a path for new works to get out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
you'll probably talk about this, but he was a member of uh, Lee Angle's BMI Musical Theatre Workshop. That does play into the story, yes. Yeah. Um, he also wrote If Then with our um, <laughs> favorite, Jim Menzel. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Anthony Rapp. And mm-hmm. La Chance. I look at i would i would love to see lachance and anything she was the original team moon yes in island brilliant brilliant in 2014 yorkie's collaborative work with sting and colabretta's john logan the last ship opened right. on broadway mm-hmm. um he also this is like the last thing i'm gonna say about him he adapted he's the person responsible for adapting Jay Asher's best selling novel 13 Reasons Why oh. which uh, was a uh, hit on Netflix Paramount television um and yeah is huge 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 yeah uh, really phenomenal yeah, he's it, it's really interesting. Like talk about, you know, you mm-hmm. know, psychiatry and like when you read, go back to the beginning mm-hmm. and look at the psych- psychiatry and mm-hmm. suburbia and public yeah. education that all wraps up into 13 Reasons Why. So that's the, like the condensed Brian Yorkie version. That was great. And thank you. Thomas Robert Kitt was the composer, conductor, uh, orchestrator and musician. Mm-hmm. multi in all things music mm-hmm. um uh, he won the pulitzer for next to normal he also won two tony awards and an outer critic circle award for next to normal and he also was responsible for if then and spongebob squarepants that's fun <sighs> is it not fun and now he is responsible in this day and age for Jagged Little Hill. Mm. And it's interesting. I didn't read that until after listening to this musical. I'm like, this has like Alanis elements to it. And oh, there he is. There it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last person I'll mention very briefly is director Michael Grief. We talked we about it in Rent. Spoken about at probably way greater length than this uh, in our episode of Rent. But he was also responsible, funnily enough, uh, for Dear Evan Hansen, which is, I can see the parallels, Grey Gardens and Rent. Rent, that one. He's responsible for some of our faves there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Grey Gardens might be my favorite one in that, that list. Next to Normal is my favorite one in this list. Grey Garden, close second, though. Grey Garden's pretty cool. Yeah. He's dealing with people on the, like, they're very interested in dealing with people on the margins, right? Yes. And telling their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Interesting bio. Like, right. All those things together. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, our journey begins in 1998. Uh, when so yeah, so when writers Brian Yorkie and Tom Kitt attended the BMI Musical Theater Workshop, the two were stumped about their final project, which was to write like a ten-minute short musical. Mm-hmm. And one night, Yorkie was watching a news piece on NBC about electroconvulsive therapy, 
formerly known as electric shock therapy. And he didn't realize this that this practice was still being done. He thought it was like gone the way of the 70s. Like he did not realize it was still commonly practiced, which it is. Um, I didn't think it was either. Yeah. So Yorkie sees this news broadcast about ECT. He then is like, maybe there's something there. So he proposes to Kit that they do a musical of, about a woman struggling with depression for her whole life and has turned to ECT. That was his elevator pitch one line concept. He was like, let's do this. Kit thought it was a, a concert that had good potential. And they wrote the 10 minute musical sketch about a woman undergoing electroshock therapy for bipolar disorder. And they titled the piece Feeling Electric. So despite positive feedback from the workshop, the two moved on to other projects. They kept coming back to it every once in a while. They, and then it really didn't kind of get going until 2005, which is when they really started heavily workshopping the piece. And that's when David Stone, the producer, and Michael Grief were brought in as, as director. And it was at their insistence that uh, they told Yorkie and Kit to turn the focus of the show on to, toward the family's pain rather than critiquing the medical establishment, which is what Yorkie had been doing up to that point. He had been really focusing on the treatment of, uh, uh, of treatments that are given to people with bipolar disorder. And they were like, this just isn't jiving. So they were like, focus it on the family. The family is the key of this piece. So they did a little bit of that, still very in the middle. And, and then Next to Normal, now retitled, went to broad, uh, off-Broadway at the Second Stage Theatre. And it ran from January 16th to March 16th, 2008, with Griff, uh, Grief, yeah, Grief as the director. Our favorite Anthony Rapp was the assistant director. And the cast included Alice Ripley as Diana, Brian Darcy James as Dan, Aaron Tavet as Gabe, Jennifer... Damiano as Natalie, Adam Chandler uh, Barat as Henry, and Asa Summers as Dr. Madden slash Dr. Finn. The show received very mixed reviews that heavily focused on the fact that the show did not balance pathos and comedy well, and the critics did not like the depiction in irresponsible messaging about the treatment of bipolar disorder. So this led Yorkie and Kit to do some really heavy rewrites cutting the original title song, Feeling Electric, from the show entirely. Uh, they really concentrated the story on entirely on the emotions of Diana and her family as they confront the bitter truths of their past. It's really kind of where they turned their focus to on this. Uh, and so then in November 2008, the rewritten music was then given a regional theater production at the arena stage, brief directed again, and, and then a majority of the off-Broadway cast returned, uh, with the main exception of uh, Brian, uh, Brian Darcy James, who was going off to do Shrek the Musical. And now for something completely different. <laughs> That's what he does. I mean, the guy goes from Titanic to Next to Normal to Shrek to came, something rotten. He came back, though, I think. He eventually does. Eventually, Stay yeah. tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. He does come back eventually. But yes, right. Brian left, and he was replaced by J. Robert Spencer, as who, who took on the role of Dan. Uh, the production then received rave reviews. People were like, awesome they noticed that the comic songs and glitzy production numbers had been replaced by songs that contemplate that the, that complemented the emotional content of the book so they were like really thumbing up about that next normal then moved to broadway at the booth theater uh and began previews on march 27 2009 and opened on april the 15th the entire arena stage production cast returned so that's alice ripley uh diana j spence uh, j robert spencer as dan aaron Tivette as gabe Jennifer Damiano as Natalie, 
Adam Chandler Barrett as Henry and uh, Lewis Hobson had, had now taken over the role of Dr. Madden and Dr. Finn. Once again, the show was still directed by Grief. Uh, so the reviews were very favorable. The show received 11 Tony Awards. It won three of the awards. It won for Best Original Score, Best Orchestrations, and rightfully so, Alice Ripley won for Best Actress that year. Because this is a hell of a role to play. Notable Broadway replacements include the late, great Maren Maisie came on and played Diana. And she is sensational in the part. Her husband, uh, Jason Daniel came on as Dan. Danielle. Yeah. Yeah. Came on as Dan. Brian Darcy James returned after Shrek closed as Dan. <laughs> uh, and uh, Megan F- uh, Fahey from the hit uh, uh, sitcom The Bull Type uh, came on and played Natalie for, 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 for a period of time as well. So there you go. Uh, the show did close on January 16th, 2011, after running tw- 21 previews and 733 regular performances. So a very decent run. At the end of the show's run, Next Normal had grossed $31,764,486, making it the most profitable show that has run at the Booth Theater. And it easily surpassed its $4 million initial investment budget. Wow. Like, like, like it recouped it pretty quick. So good on them for that. During the early uh, part of the Broadway run, they launched a very revolutionary marketing campaign, which I'm very impressed with, that focused on publishing an adapted version of the script over Twitter. Over 35 days, the, a, the, the serialized version of the show was published a single line for, from a character at a time. The Twitter promotion ended on the morning of June 7, 2009, the morning of the Tony Awards. And the initiative actually won the, the 2009 OMMA Award for Best in Show. So smart. Because people forget Twitter in 2009. That was like the new thing. It, it was, was not it, it was not what people use it for now. Like the fact somebody was using it for marketing was like really revolutionary. So good on them for that. It also joined the uh, ranks of the Pulitzer Prize winner for Best Drama. Uh, in 2010, it was it's the only being the eighth musical in history to receive that honor. And the last big note I have about this is that in 2010 as well, director and producer Rob Reiner, that's right, the guy from Princess Bride and uh, Spinal Tap and Misery and A Few Good Men and a bunch of other good stuff. Rob Reiner, like Meathead Rob Reiner? Yep, yep, from All in the Family. He ha- How he I expressed- know Rob Reiner. <laughs> Well, he expressed interest in, in directing and adapting this musical for film, as he felt the story was very cinematic. And nothing has ever been developed from that, apparently. That was just the yeah. last thing that came about was that he was interested. And I was like, I actually could see him doing a good job with this. Yeah. He, he, he tells yeah. very good human stories. So. Well, hopefully that happens. I agree. I agree. Bring it on. But there we go. That is production history. Talk about short and sweet there, Autumn. That was good. Now we get into our top three songs of the musical. So now we get to do some deep diving. Jessica, as our honored guest, we'll let you start. What is your number one song of the show? My first pick is, it's kind of two songs, but the track list has it as one. So I'll go with the one of it. And that's You Don't Know. The sensation that you're screaming, but you never make a sound. With a feeling that you're falling, 
but you never hit the ground. It just keeps on rushing at you, day by day by day by day. You don't know, you don't know what it's like to live that way. Like a refugee, a fugitive, forever on the run. If it gets me, it will kill me, but I don't know what I've done. Mm. Um, yes. I, I really like this song. I think it's kind of the first moment when we really see Diana push back. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, you see her character is like being diagnosed and she's given all these different pills. And then the incident happens where she brings out the cake and it's Gabe's birthday. And then Dan goes, he's not here. And mm-hmm. he goes, you know, like, He's like, I know what you're going through is really hard. And then she turns around and she goes, you don't know. You don't know <laughs> what I'm going through. You don't know what it's like to live <laughs> this way. Like you think, you know, but you don't know. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think the lyrics are clever. <laughs> like, do you read obituaries and feel jealous of the dead? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, um, it's like living on a cliffside, yeah. not knowing when you'll die. Right. You don't like, know what it's like to die alive. Thank you. It's, uh, I think it's very interesting. And mm-hmm. I love the second song that follows it is I Am The One. I love how seamlessly mm. it transitions. I am the one who knows you. I am the one who cares. I am the one who's always been there. I am the one who's helped you. And if you think that I just don't give a damn. I'll stick with you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that that, that, that that this whole musical. This was a tough choosing the top three. It was. Mm-hmm. There, there are some honorable. Autumn's mentions. disagreeing. Just look at her no. face. She's like <laughs> Autumn's. Like I don't know. <laughs> but no, I love. I love you. Don't know because it's truthful that so many people who who have a mental health say that to people who don't who 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 aren't who aren't going through the same experience. It's like, well, you can't relate because you don't know what's going on inside. Like, like, yes, I may appear normal. It's like that whole thing of Diana in the start of the show, she's making lunches. And, and but yet we don't know that family doesn't, I mean, the family does kind of know that she's seeing her son, but it's like, they don't know what she's experiencing, really. I mean, they kind of know some of the symptoms she's having, but they don't know what, what she's going through. So I think it's a very good apt description of kind of, like living on a cliff, I'm not knowing when you'll die. You don't know what it's like to die alive. Like a refugee, a fugitive, forever on the run. If they get me, it will it will kill me. But I don't know what I've done. So it's that there's that question, and there's that right amount of angst that is it's pulling, and it's tough. Like it's not clean. Once again, it, it's, it's, once again, it's not clean descriptions. You're she, they're not boxing Diana in, going, "This is how she feels. This is her problem." Like. The fact that they go through all these different metaphors in one song just shows how she can't describe how she feels. And I think, and I like how you put that because I think that's how this whole musical is. Mm-hmm. Autumn, when you had mentioned before we started recording how this felt messy, I could mm-hmm. see that because um, no one diagnosis of mental illness is the same. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think they try to convey that there are multiple situations and so that's where it does get messy mm-hmm. but i, I think they kind of did the best they could with what they had 
I here's where I get complicated with this musical. Okay. I lo- you know me. I love mess. You do. I love mess, but I love mess the most when it's not voiced. Mm. And I, this is my massive problem with this musical is there's too much said. And for me, it loses its poignancy. What if, what if she never, what if she didn't sing at all and everyone else was trying to sort her out and we never got her language in this? Because for a lot of people with mental illness, they can't describe what it's, what it is like. And they're suffering alone. And I think by giving her voice and giving her all of these, you know, all of these metaphors and, you know, trying, it's, for me, there's just too much, like there's too much explaining. It's like, here, you're a dumb audience. This is what it's like. Whereas my, my favorite, I've actually switched my number one song. Ooh. Because I think it's the most accurate song in the whole musical. Hold on. I'm going to get the name of it correctly because I didn't write it down. Okay. It's combo in the beginning of Who's Crazy and My Psycho Pharma. Oh, such a fun one. That's a great song. And blind but believe me love is insane because it's all of this lingo and the mm-hmm. side effects and the like the overwhelming it's it's one of those things where if i were someone struggling i would feel overwhelmed without voice mm-hmm. and without any agency mm-hmm. and you know i this is going to sound very harsh And I don't mean it in a a harsh way, but I do at the same time. (laughs) By giving her so much voice to me, she becomes selfish, Mm. not struggling. I feel like voicing the struggle makes it, um, it it denies what her mental illness is actually doing to her. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, even the ending where she leaves and says, like we'll get into that moment <laughs> i can't like i was so annoyed listening to this and then when you describe the 10 minute version of this musical to me you went to the workshop yeah like the feeling electric and the mm-hmm. idea of you know that what is the shock and what if that shock machine could talk and mm-hmm. what would that be like and is that a more interesting way like if I was if I was someone struggling, I don't know if this would speak to me. I think it would irritate me mm. because I think it's for me, it's kind of like rent in a way. <laughs> rent, rent kind of glorifies, as we've talked about, Bohemia. this um, bohemian lifestyle and it sucks. Mm. And the more I work with people in my own community who live on the margin, 
the more I realized how much it sucked. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like this is a very healthy person's dealing with mental illness and a kind of a band-aid solution to it. This is what it's like. I'm going to write a musical about it. Like I kind of just want to punch them. That's my, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. And I don't know the music. I have not seen the musical, but the, the, the counterpoints in the music and there's many different, um, like I felt like there were many different styles to the music where there's 1 million different genre. Oh, it's rock. Oh no, it's classical. Oh no, it's Sondheim. Oh no, we're in country. What is happening? I've, I felt a little un, un, uneasy by the end of it. That's how I'm sorry. Jessica, every time you're here, I feel like I knock your musicals off their pedestals. I feel that's okay. No, that's okay. That's, that's why this discussion, like we got to have these kind of discussions. So. Yes. I mean, uh, I, yeah, difference I mean, of opinion. That's good. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the psychopharmacologist song is so smart because you turn on the American TV and it's like mm-hmm. side effect, side effect. Don't eat that. Don't do that. And it's like, and like the, the, the way it's done musically reminded me of a Sondheim piece. I was like, Oh, or, yes. or a Finn piece. It reminded me mm. of William Finn a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Like that song was almost fell into falsetto land for me. Yeah. And I, I, I like that. I like that soundscape way more than the rock part of this mm-hmm. musical. And it's, I think it's why I have one character that is my favorite in this musical. Who is your Which favorite is? character? Natalie. Mm. Mm. I like Natalie. Because Bernie okay. is the most real. Mm. Like I just find it the I can, it, the struggle is very real. And there's you you talk about opposites, mm-hmm. like in that first one. I don't find there's many opposites in this musical. So I'm like, mm. yeah. But the psychopharmaca, I'm kind of like I kind of wanted that to revisit mm-hmm. throughout as she's trying different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would have been yeah. Like, well, I mean, I love the psychopharmacologist and I, and who's crazy because it's our first bit of exposition that you have to get through. Because ultimately, this piece is driving towards the ECT. That's <laughs> where the writers really wanted to get to was yeah. get there. And the only way to do that is, is to show, hey, medication is not working. So ECT is our last resort. But you try having to orchestrate and write a song that basically gets through the entire medical journey that a lot of times takes years to find the right uh pill regimen that's needed like that still makes you feel alive but at the same time keeps the emotions in check and level like it's in the fact that you also get dance perspective as, as he's up on the balcony overwatching the 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 the, 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 the dance between dr i think it's dr yes dr finn and um diana where it's like and he's like, he's asking the, the very good question that I'm sure a lot of partners who have somebody struggling with mental health ask is really, who's crazy here? Like, is it the one who can't cope or maybe the one who's sitting waiting every day in the car? Because you can't, because the person who's in the office can't drive themselves to places. And he's yeah. like, like and- the struggle in this song, once again, the struggle is there with these characters. But that's why it's more interesting from Dan and Natalie's perspective. Mm-hmm. I would I would eradicate the rest of it and focus on them. 
mm-hmm. because it's called next to normal. Yeah. And what is normal and their journey through it and their questions mm-hmm. around it are way more interesting mm-hmm. than, you know, the angsty, you know, the, the Gabe coming back and being this. Yeah, he comes back a little too many times. I'm like, yep. If she sees him, maybe like maybe it's a, a want, right? Mm-hmm. But this antagonizing devil figure and the like, I'm like, well, it is well, it is a want because as we find out by the end of the piece, which we're going to get into, one of my favorite songs is they didn't grieve properly for the loss of their son. They kind of Dan was very quick to sweep it under the rug, and and that has manifested in Diana really having onsetting her bipolar disorder and kind of was triggered all this to continue. So it's the fact that it doesn't get dealt with. And so, yeah, it's interesting. This whole musical, just fascinating. Yeah. It's a slippery slope for me. (laughs) Well, yeah. Just wait till on here. You'd be surprised at my top three songs. Okay. What's your number? My number one is I miss the mountains. Nothing's real. Autumn did not like that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I love this song. It's easily my number one song of the show. Listen I'm to Mary Maisie do it. Mary Maisie and Alice Ruby both do very good versions of this song. Like, it is, first of all, vocally, it is a big song to get through. Yes. Um, the range is huge. and But I, enjoy, I love the metaphor of the mountains representing the highs and lows of life. I think that is a beautiful analogy that because uh, a lot of people go, well, why don't you just take your medication? Like if I, like if the meds work and level somebody out, take your meds. But then this is the argument of why people go off their meds so often and why they're, and why it isn't always cleaned up in a perfect solution because they all go, I miss the mountains. I miss life. I miss actually feeling the like like the like like feeling things like Diana says like she goes like I miss actually the peaks and the valleys of life like right now like everything is flat it's on an even keel everything is perfect nothing's real like it's that thing of not experiencing life I mean yes the medication worked but at what cost does it come at and so on one hand this song is great because as an audience you're on you're championing Diana to do her thing and flush the pills and be free and experience life. But at the time you're also going, no, because the, well, the the fallout of, of this action is not going to no. benefit you in the long run. And so there's that push and pull. An audience person that is telling her to flush them down. I am not doing that. Me, that I am. Selfish action. No. And yes, 
yes, we all sacrifice certain things in our life. We have to. It's we. It's it's a survival thing. It's a. I I've known my cousin suffers from schizophrenia. When he goes off his medication, it is awful. Mm-hmm. It is an awful experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's part of the way we have to survive in the world. Yep. Like a lot of people do that, but it's a choice. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, it's not it's not an easy choice, but mm-hmm. it helps her. It helps her. And yes, missing the mountains, fine, whatever. It's great that you miss the mountains, but what are you giving up in the process? Yeah. And there's none of that. There's none of that. The only person that gets that song is Dan. And I'd much rather hear his version of this song. Mm. His rebuttal. Yeah. I mean, it would be great to get his rebuttal. But yeah, I mean, and that's what I like about this song is there's that struggle of, on one hand, you're like, yeah, Dana should have the choice to go off for meds because Dan is very controlling and is all about take the meds, do this, do that. We're going to be the perfect family. We're going to be suburbia. And he's kind of forcing her to go to every doctor's appointment possible. He's on the depression message boards, as he says in the one scene, reading about different doctors. Like he's Why? Trying, he's, Why is he doing that? Because he wants his because he wants his perfect family. But it's his normal family. It's not about normal. It's about what does why does he want that? Because he loves, loves her. Oh, oh, he totally loves her. I, there's never her. any doubt that he there's never any doubt that he does not love her like that is it's not it's not yeah. about appearances it's not disingenuous mm-hmm. it's because he loves her and he wants to be happy with her and yeah. he wants her to be happy and level mm-hmm. that's all but once again that's any couple that's in this type of relationship the struggle is there because how can you say to someone be level but to be level, you have to give up feeling. Like I can't imagine what mentally goes on when you're feel when you're taking those medications and feeling that way. I I don't know what it's like. I've never done it. I've never had to go on that journey. I uh, so I, I can't. I don't, I don't know what goes on mentally, personally, in somebody's head when they're on the medication. Well, at least something happens to a lot of people to say I don't like this feeling, and Look I need it. to flush my pills. You're swaying me. You're swaying me on this because I know it's a complicated conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. I don't want to come across insensitive. I just think they're, it's not about just ourselves mm-hmm. and their considerations. And when you're in partnership and maybe that's mm-hmm. why the ending works because she's mm-hmm. like, I can't, I can't be what you want me to be in this moment. Yep. I need to let me get my shit together and I'll, Come back. Well, well, I don't know. Yeah, don't skip ahead because we're because we're getting because we will get to that song. We'll talk fine, about it. Fine. Uh, I'm just saying, like, yeah, no, and it's you know I've known a lot of kids who have taken Ritalin and it deadens them in mm-hmm. a way. It does, but, and that's where the conversation needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, there's that pros and cons, right? Like there, there, there are ways to balance meds, mm-hmm. and when they're not working, how do you like? Mm-hmm. I get it. That I get, and yeah. But the missing the mountains, like the peaks and the valleys of bipolar are extreme. Well, exactly. And, and I mean, I that's the thing, right? I, it's, I, they are extremes. I don't think that should be glorified. I don't, I think, don't think the song does. I, I think the song is deceptive in its glorification. Because the song starts with her 
toxine. Then you get into the rolling pastoral, ah, I miss the mountains, and it's rolling, and he feels good. But then as the song escalates, the that underscoring of rock starts coming in, and it's like, ooh, okay. So there's an all like there's always that ominous feeling throughout this entire song of yeah. you know something bad is gonna happen. And the fact that the song is followed right after what with it's gonna be good, which just continues to build up that that mountain top of expectation that the fall is coming. And I mean it just well, it's inevitable. The fall is inevitable once you exactly. go as someone with bipolar disorder, yes. right? Exactly. But I don't, in a way, to me, mm-hmm. this song glorifies bipolar disorder as Rent does Bohemia. Hmm. Jessica, what are your thoughts? You're sitting very quiet. <laughs> I'm taking it all in. Um, <laughs> this song is very interesting because I agree, Mackenzie. Did it make your list? It didn't. It almost did. And then when I went back and listened to it, I I ruled it out. Um, I I get the metaphors and I get that whole that whole thing. But then Autumn, I'm thinking too about what you were saying about how Diana's a selfish character. And it does kind of come across in that way. Um, but this song particularly, I think also is, yes, she's missing those feelings uh, when she was off her meds. But there's also the way the song starts is after she sees Natalie with her new boyfriend. Yeah. So I think she's also just missing that youthfulness that she had. And she's reminiscing about the times she had with her husband where things Mm -hmm. like when they were dating or when they had just gotten married and things Mm -hmm. felt a little simpler. Mm -hmm. And I think she's missing those times, too. Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. Right. I mean, everything is numb to her. She's not feeling anything and i can't imagine what that must be like to see your daughter experiencing first love for the first time and you feel nothing yeah like i can't imagine going through your life always feeling that way where you see these expressions and these emotions from other people happening and you go i'm not connecting that way just because of what i'm on like i just yeah it, 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 once again this this whole musical conjures up a lot of tough discussions because we know the medication works. We know it. Ha- we know it does good because Dan says it does good for her. But at the same time, you see her perspective of what she's giving up in the process. And yes, that is a selfish move on her part to flush. And Dan is very quick to call her out on that at the dinner, where he's like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> like, with Dan. like especially down in the states oh. where medication is not cheap. Oh. The fact that she is actively flushing money away. And I'm sure her treatments are not cheap either. So the fact that like, oh. like the money and the stuff he's spending, the time he's spending taking her to all these doctor's appointments, and she's just wasting it by flushing it all down the, the to the septic tank, as she says. Like, for me, mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm trying to distill this because I do understand what it's like to lose that sense of feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's also, there's also something about her in the suburban lifestyle and fitting in. And that to me also makes her not likable. Like, like I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, there's something that doesn't sit well. in the. Well, I think it's the fact that Diana throughout the piece doesn't fit into the suburban lifestyle. And 
by the end, which one's going to be able to get into, um, she just goes, I can't fit in. I don't work here. I can't, Dan, I'm sorry. I can't be your perfect suburban housewife that, that, that you wanted me to be that wakes up in the morning. We have sex. We, I make the sandwiches and I send you off to work and my daughter off to school. And I attend every dance recital, every music recital, like, like in the fact that she doesn't. And, and I mean, I like the fact that Diana is a little bit of a villain, not even a villain, a bit of, a bit of an antagonist here in her own story where she sabotages herself repeatedly. Like, I think, I think that's, once again, that's human. And it's different from Rent because Rent also has similar characters, but Rent, they're just assholes. <laughs> just are not good people at all for what they do to that community. Diana, she's hurting her family, but at the same time, on some level, you- That's her community. That's her, her family is her community. But at the same time, she's a little bit more understandable in her struggle than Roger, who is literally just living in Bohemia because he wants to and mooching off a restaurant that he can't pay for because he wants to. And by the way, let's vilify Benny because he's successful. Diana's struggle makes her a really interesting human character who is highly uh, fallible. She is not perfect. She is not your perfect oh. protagonist of the musical. I think no, I think actually, you could easily write an essay about Diana being the true villain of the story. And I, no one's a villain. Let Mackenzie Horner. You've got to get rid of that in your antagonist. It is not. She's an she's an antagonist. But uh, again, if we're if this is a musical about mental illness, why are we making the mentally ill person the antagonist? I don't think they intended for her to be the antagonist. But she is. But she is. And therefore, it's problematic. Mm. Uh-huh. Yes. Thank you. Button. She's, it, it's problematic. They need to, they need to go back and look at, it was, it is popular. People love a good rock musical about an issue, right? Mm -hmm. It's why people love Evan Hansen today. Even though Evan Hansen is a dick. It's worse. He's, He's a worse dick. than Diana. He manipulates a family in grief. He's a horrible but he's also he's also a lost soul who struggles in the world. So again, like we're not we're not painting these people who struggle in the world in a great light. And that's But would you want there to be a perfect like well, as Jessica said, there is no perfect representation of mental health. No, because everything is so different. And I mean, I think if you painted them as wholesome, good people then like that's undercutting their struggle in life. No, I don't think you need to. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's the answer either. I think you don't write musicals about an issue this way. Hmm. I think you need to make it just a musical. If you want to write a musical about suburban family and this is a suburban family and this. So it becomes about a family rather than the illness. This musical is very much about the illness in the same way that Rent was about AIDS and gayness and drugs. Air quotes are being shown, people. Lots of air quotes. And Evan Hansen. Evan Hansen is about, I don't know. Evan Hansen is also on the margins. Like, but we make these, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not buying it anymore. 
Autumn is struggling. I am struggling with it because mm-hmm. I want to like these musicals, but I, there's mm-hmm. they're let's call them what they are. They're guilt musicals. They are. People pay a lot of money to go watch people sing about mental illness or Bohemia and go, oh, I don't have to deal with that. I'm out the door. But I, you know what? I went to the musical, so I know a little bit more about it. Well, you don't. You don't. Read a, read a book. Interesting point there, Autumn. I didn't think of it that way. That is a new perspective. I'm always here to, to throw disaster into the mix. Love it. Love I, it. I, so I, the, the song is nice. I, mm-hmm. I miss the mountains. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish she actually missed the mountains that she lived in or something mm-hmm. from yeah. her childhood. Yeah. But no, it's a metaphor mm-hmm. to I miss the highs and lows of my bipolar disorder. Yeah. And I don't think anyone um, misses that. Mm-hmm. I, I, guess I mean, I, I will say fun fact about this song. It was okay. written over one airplane flight because mm-hmm. Yorkie was flying and and he they, and they knew he knew he needed a song for this moment of her flushing the pills. And the pilot came on and said, uh, heads of everybody, we're going to have some turbulence because we're flying over mountains. And that apparently inspired him to write all the lyrics for I Miss the Mountains. And it so by the time he landed so on the flight, yeah. It would have been so much better to have her not sing this song and have other people Mm-hmm. voice it for her mm-hmm. like her hear all the other characters and their perspectives as she's holding the pills that i would buy but this not so much sorry mac i shot you down on that one i, I autumn i wasn't sure where you were going to land on this piece i i felt either you were going to really like it or like look at titanic you on rent and now everything is different You're <laughs> I blame you solely for giving me a conscience. Oh, no. All right. Well, let's head into our next song because we've gone through the first, our first choices. So, Jessica, what is your number two? My second pick was Wish I Were Here. Did not make my list. Nope. <laughs> um, I really Autumn, like, did it make your list? No. I like this song because it, um, it's really interesting in the way that it parallels both Diana and Natalie. Because mm. I think at this point, there's been so much focus on Diana. But there's a whole other story that happens with Natalie. Mm-hmm. And I think it gets lost, which is really it unfortunate. Is she does not want to be like her mother. And she is trying mm-hmm. to become this totally different version of herself. And she's pushing mm-hmm. away her family. And even when she tries to let her family in, they let her down. Like she invites them to the her recital. recital and they don't show up. And then she, she this, yeah, she just totally breaks down. And but now she's turning to um drugs and partying and this whole other lifestyle um to kind of cope with what's going on in her family Mm -hmm. and in this song there's a moment where diana's hallucinating and natalie appears in the hallucination and they have this 
this moment where they talk. And I think that's kind of the moment when the audience realizes like, oh, these two are like going through two very different things, but at the same time, they're mm-hmm. going through two very similar things. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it did not make my list, but I totally get it. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting song to open act two with. Mm-hmm. Act one ends with Diana signing the ECT papers. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we get this opening of these parallel things. And I, and I mean, we'll get more into this in our other lists, but it's the whole thing of Natalie paralleling her mom. It's a really interesting concept that I don't think is fleshed out, which is too bad. Because it's an, as Autumn said, it's an interesting way of looking at the family and still giving Diana a voice at the same time. But yeah, like this, yeah, it's really, I told, it's not a song that I've ever, it's ever really stuck with me. It's always been there. It's like, okay, opening of act two, this is what's happening. But I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an interesting concept that as she hallucinates, they have, it's the, it's the only way they can have a heartfelt conversation until the end of the musical. Which really, yeah. Yeah, which really does not happen Mm -hmm. during the show. I feel like Natalie has so many cries for help Mm -hmm. throughout it. And she's like, like even in, Superboy and the Invisible Girl. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm not here. I'm not here, but mm-hmm. you're my brother, who is mm-hmm. not here, is who you're so fixed on, is who the yeah. hero is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her narrative is way more interesting than anybody else in this whole musical. Yeah. yeah. Could cut an hour out and just make it about her. Be great. Mm-hmm. I feel for her. She's one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did that song make your list? No. So what is, what is your I number do, two I, I like, I, I do respect that choice because it's, it is that, you know, they're both grieving, mm-hmm. grieving, you know, the mother is still grieving Gabe in a weird kind of way, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, Natalie is grieving her mother. Or her lack of a mother. Well, yes, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, however we want to, you know, yeah word it but there is there is that grief present and that is the that's the parallel i don't think the mental illness is the parallel i think it's Mm -hmm. the grief and Mm -hmm. the weight of that grief is is Mm -hmm. very present Uh, that i like a Mm -hmm. lot um no mine is hold on i want to make sure i get it right because i have a couple i have a couple that i'm like oh yeah i like these songs uh my list was more than Three. Three. But then every, every then everything else falls into my other list. It is everything else. And everything else goes away. Everything else goes away. And you play till it's perfect. You play till you ache. You play till the strings or your fingernails break. So you'll rock that recital and get into Yale. So you won't feel so sick and you won't look so pale. Cause you got your full ride and your early admit So you're done with this school and with all of this shit And you graduate early, you're gone as of May And there's nothing your paranoid parents can say I love this That's a good one. because it's her debating mental mm-hmm. illness and what, you know, if you're mentally ill, can you still produce great things? Like the whole thing with Mozart and you know, how, how he can create a line and still be not in his, his right state of being. Um, for me, Wait, what song? it's called everything else. It's right at the beginning. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
She does yeah. that piano bit. In the oh, morning. right. Yes. With Henry. Yes. Yes. And for me, that's kind of where I wanted the musical to land, not in the rock opera world. Mm-hmm. I like this. This one landed better on my ear. And then I listened to the lyrics. Then I went and read the lyrics. And for me, the the argument with the traditional sounding musical theater uh, just worked really well. And then going into Who's Crazy and the psychopharmaceutical pharmacologist and I, yeah, that one, that like for me, the beginning, the the the, the there's the rock band. And then there's a couple of songs that are in musical theater. And then it goes into rock band again. And I'm like, why did you go back there? Drives me like the, the genre switching in this just kind of drove me nuts. <laughs> but this song, I just felt it had struggle. It was simple. Love simple. But it was also specific. And Natalie's journey for me is the most interesting. Um, <laughs> I've said that. I'm not going to say it again. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! There you go. There you uh, go. I will say my number two is how could I ever forget? A moment of dread. Someone simply said, Your child is. How could I ever forget? How could I ever forget? This was the moment my life. Set that day that I lost you, it's clear as the day we met. Which is, oh, I have that one too. Oh, do you? Yay, we got a match. Jessica didn't make your list. No, <laughs> so close to the it's perfect. Not on, it's, it's on like my mm, honorable mention, yeah, honorable, honorable mention. mention list. Okay, all right. Well, I find this this is the moment of the show that's always stuck with me from the first time i listened to it to now i mean the lyrics are so cinematic and visual that Mm -hmm. you can't help but picture every moment that she's describing from from the fact that she she starts with my black coat over my blue nightgown driving so fast the lights of the city flew past like running into the hospital and it all accumulates with someone saying your child is dead. And it's, and it's, 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 she's asking the honest question because the ECT has affected her memory. And she's going, well, how could I ever forget such a traumatic moment that changed our lives? Our, like, our entire trajectory as a couple was forever altered. But she did forget. Well, the ECT, oh, and that's the sad thing. She goes, I don't want to forget. I don't want to lose what makes me me. Because every life event you go through leaves a scar right. that then accumulates in you being you and losing a child like it explains everything else that she isn't getting because right she's going through all the pictures seeing the news clippings of the time she crashed the car the time she ran over the cat the time she ended up in a swimming pool at her daughter's swim meet like all these erratic things in her life that she's not getting because she goes i'm missing a piece of my puzzle and the piece of the puzzle is the trigger that starts it on us and Dan goes, don't like Dan, Diana, don't. Why do you keep wanting to bring pain back into your life? Like, why can't you let this go? I'm trying, like, I wanted you to forget this because I wanted you to move forward. But Diana's whole thing is 
you can't forget because forgetting means you don't grieve and you don't process. And if you don't process, you can't move ahead. So that's where that's this the, journey works for me. Mm -hmm. That's where her journey. Yeah. This is where it's almost like, oh, forget the whole first act. Cut Gabe out. And then like this idea of the ECP and this is where the struggle lies because it's a great, that is a great argument. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she did forget and that the doctor reminds her, right? Yep. And then she starts to question herself and mm -hmm. then she goes back into the guilt and you know how, you know, I could never forget that. I'm mm -hmm. never going to forget that again. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the only way through grief is through it. The only way to mm -hmm. deal with it effectively is to go through it. Yeah. That's why, that's where a piece like Betrophenheit works really well dealing mm -hmm. with grief. Mm -hmm. Betrophenheit is the uh, Crystal Pite um, Jonathan Young collaboration mm. um, that deals with the seven stages of grief and a father dealing with the death of his daughter in a fire. Oh, mm -hmm. but that's how he, that's how he came. And it's his story. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Young's story. Okay. I've got to look this up now. Oh, Trovenheit. The, okay. it's a masterpiece. Okay. Crystal Pite is, is a masterful storyteller. Is it a play or a musical? It is a hybrid of dance and theater. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotta look this up. Looking this I, up. Mm -hmm. Like this piece of this piece of Diana's journey is valid to me. Mm -hmm. This is where her struggle becomes very tangible. And I wish the whole piece had been this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, once again, it creates it brings up the conflict and the argument of between Dan and Diana. And it's so haunting that they put that the way they did this is they put it with, with with like a simple music box tune they didn't go big and rock with it it's how could i ever forget it's just that da, 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 this da, da. thing needs to live here mm -hmm. this whole musical this musical needs to be a chamber musical one mm -hmm. it's not a for me it's not a broadway musical it's a chamber off-broadway masterpiece Kind of like the mm -hmm. Fantastics in a way. Yeah. I think it would have done really well without, uh, for me, the rock opera sells out of it and it makes it mm -hmm. like, ah, here yeah. it is. This yeah. is about mental health. <laughs> Rather than the simple story of, of grief. You know, um, and, you know, if you look at, if you look at good um, theater that, that deals with the death of a child, Betrophenheit is one way. Mm -hmm. But then you have The Weir, which is a Connor McPherson Irish playwright masterpiece, mm -hmm. which is just all about ghost stories. And they're sitting and they're just telling ghost stories. Mm. And then the mother who's lost a child who has hardly said anything throughout the mm -hmm. whole play comes out with this, this, the story of the death of her child mm. and how she thinks her daughter is haunting. <laughs> Simple. Like it just needs to be mm -hmm simplified mm -hmm. without the uh, i just feel like there's too much noise mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. jessica what are your thoughts um yeah in a in a similar way i agree that it does need to be simplified um because yeah there there's a lot going on and i think there's there's trying to get 
uh, trying to get Diana's story. And then you have Dan's perspective and then you have Gabe's and well, kind of Gabe's, but then you have Natalie's story and they're trying to be interwoven, but then they're also not. And it's, it can be loaded. Like even, Mm -hmm. even after, like when I saw it live, there were like a couple of days after where it was like, I'm still trying to process what I just saw. Like it's, it's a lot going on. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Third choices. Let's do this. Jay Maxwell. What is your third choice? My third choice is light. When our long night is done, there will be the end of the show the end of the show um i think it's just a nice song (laughs) to wrap up uh um, well how do you wrap up a musical that (laughs) well exactly how how do you wrap up a musical that had so much going on and that didn't Mm -hmm. have a happy ending which Mm -hmm. i think was good i i agree that it didn't need a happy ending because it doesn't call for it um with this sort of thing i like how it ended i like that it was i like too that it was open-ended um, and I like how the song offers that hopefulness, like mm-hmm. there will be light is what it is, what the song, one of the lyrics. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's simple. And that's just, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of darkness that you just had to sit through and watch for two and a half hours. And there's a lot of, you were laughing in some points and crying in another. And then at the end, it's like, you know, there's no happy ending. It is what it is, but mm-hmm. there's hopefulness there. So there will be light. Huh. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that they don't tie it up. Like Evan Hansen mm-hmm. drives me nuts because it's tied up. Oh, everyone. Yes. One another. Perfect. It's okay that this guy manipulated our entire family during our grieving process. Yeah, Hooray. There's no lawsuit needed. <laughs> um um or libel like libel case seriously Mm. it's it's still i like some of the music that's about as far as i can go but um i i do like that there's no bow on this that there shouldn't Mm. be there shouldn't be a bow we should Mm. be left going oh Mm. is there light does she believe there's light do i believe there's light is there Mm -hmm. light what is the light like we should be left asking questions. I think to make it truly effective. And I don't, I don't even mind her leaving. Like I said earlier that that's a selfish act, but maybe that's what she feels her only recourse is. Right. To we'll get into that moment. Like she's, you know, also the idea that she feels like she's helping Dan by leaving just to do not put him through this anymore. Yeah. Um, And helping Natalie. Like I, I always say that, the the loneliest you can be is when you are not alone, but someone is leaving you lonely. Mm-hmm. Right? So maybe she is getting that and maybe she's understanding that her absence might help, you know? And what I think an awful is. thing to come to. What an awful revelation to come to. So uh, Light, I, I agree. I agree, Jess, that it's, you know, that's a great way mm-hmm. to end. Like, I think, I think, you know, there is, there's always hope. We Mm -hmm. just have to believe that there is. 
Yeah. And whether or not she does in the end, that's the director's choice, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Autumn, what's your number three? Um, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. But I am going to say that my, I have two. Can I say okay. two? All right, go I with said, two. I said two for my number one, so. All right, do it. I'm going to say two. He's not here. He's not here. He's not here. Love, I know you know. Do you feel he's still real? Love, it's just not so. Why is it you still believe? Do you dream or do you grieve? You've got to let him go. Mm. I just... I just find it so tragic. Mm-hmm. Like the, the heartbreaking one. There's, there's, he's not here. Like that, that grief, but he is there. He is there because their grief is still there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a profound player in their lives. Yeah. I don't think we need to see him as a player. I think it's way more interesting to not see him as a player. I agree. Um, but like the fact that she, you know, fabricates him and brings out this birthday. Like it's, that's, it's so sad. Like the whole, mm-hmm. it's very sad. Um, oh, yeah, It's simple. Once again, it's the simple melody of he's not here. And it's just the fact of like, right before he has the big song of it's going to be good, which just yeah. makes that moment of he's not here so much more tragic because you see how badly Dan wants to have this perfect, happy suburban family, like meeting the boyfriend for the first time, having this dinner together, and then it all crashes with a birthday cake. I, I he has to. Say, I mean, how many times has he said that to her? And every time he says that, you can tell it's an open wound. He is having to reopen his wound to say yeah. he's not here. So that's why he's not here works really well for me. Mm-hmm. And. The- my other version, my other song in this uh, number three category is Hey Three, Perfect For You. Will your mom be okay? Well, she might be someday. But for now it's all fine. She's still on my mind. Can you leave hey, it behind? Hey, Stay, let's see this am thing Am I crazy? I might end up crazy. I'll be here for you. You say that right here. But then give it a year, or ten years, or a life I could end up your wife sitting, staring at walls Throwing shit down the stairs, freaking out at the store Running new down the street, bleeding out in the bath Perfect for you I will be perfect for you Mmm because again, we go back to Natalie mm-hmm. and her her struggle, and she doesn't want to be affected by illness, and it's something that plagues her every single day. Mm-hmm. That fear is palpable for her, mm-hmm. and she's trying ever like she's she is a woman who is in deep struggle, mm-hmm. and this is every child's journey if their parent is mentally ill. Mm-hmm. 
because they've li- it's their lived experience. It's it's they're living in post traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. constantly, mm-hmm. and that's awful. Mm-hmm. So I I like it, and and you know, God bless Henry. Hey, I'm, I'll be here for you. Mm-hmm. Like what a good guy. I like yep. him. I like yeah. Henry. Mm-hmm. Henry's great. We'll get into Henry momentarily. Okay. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's my, my two. Okay. okay. All right. My final choice, though, is So Anyway, Diana's departure song. What doctors call dysfunction, we try to call romance. And true, it's quite a trick to tell the dancers from the dance. But rather than let chance take me, Take a chance on leaving. It's that or stay and die. I loved you once, and though you love me still, I know it's time for me to fly. And this was the song that sold me on the show. Up to this point, I was listening to it and I was like, I'm fully into this and this was a song that sold me because this is the song that reflects human like humanity for me where it's not happy like they could have easily written this to have some type of reconciliation between Dan and Diana that reflects the reconciliation that's happened between Natalie and Henry upstairs or not upstairs they're at the dance but it's staged in the upper level of the set but like they didn't go this way they act, Kit and, and Yorkie actively chose to not do a, do, a, do a clean reconciliation. They made that difficult choice to go, Diana's got to leave. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm sure the producers went, no, wrap it up. Like, don't, don't be so open. But it's the fact that clearly, like, Diana's, like, I, 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 Diana's made this choice. And she's not the antagonist in this moment. Because she goes, I still love you and you still love me. But she goes, what, we, like, what we're doing right now, we, she has the line of um, what some call, I think, dysfunction. We call, like, we call it a dance. But she, uh, she, she goes, like, everything we've done for the sake of normalcy isn't working. You're not living. I'm not getting any better. These medications are working. The ECT isn't working. She goes, you have to let me fail. You have to let me fall. Because you never let me do that. Because clearly Dan, through, from the moment their son died, has been trying to just steamroll it forward. And Dana goes, I have to fall. I have to fail. I have to go out on my own for a time just to kind of get myself together. Because this isn't working for you. This isn't working for me. And anytime, I think Autumn, I forget what episode we were talking about. You, we were talking about how anytime a relationship has to end, somebody's getting hurt somebody is breaking but it's just as hard for the person on the other side they're both but, hurting yeah exactly it's an awful it's an awful thing mm-hmm. because you said earlier we're made of the scars yes from previous hurt mm-hmm. and we those scars leave like a a, a mental mm-hmm. uh, reckoning as well mm-hmm. for each scar so 
we start to equate our worth with the leaving, whether mm-hmm. we're leaving or being left. Yep. Right. And uh, it's a sh- sh- shitty, Mackenzie. It's a shitty it, situation. It totally is. And that's what I like about this moment is Diana comes in and it's the first time she shows clarity because her mm. first line and her last line of the song are staccato. Like we have this big, beautiful moment with Natalie and Henry and then Diana walks on stage with a coat and suitcase and goes, so anyway, <coughs> I'm leaving. And it's like, okay, she has thought this is her moment of clarity where she goes, I've made this decision of this is what I have to do. And then she goes, and then she ends with, so goodbye. And she's out. Like uh, it lingers a little bit as she is talking to Dan and trying to reassure him going, it's not your fault. You love me. I love you. But I have to fly. I have to. Yeah. No, and I mean, that's tough for anybody, particularly somebody like Dan, who is committed to helping his wife, being by her side. And there's the song afterwards of um, the reprise that happens right after that of uh, what's what's it called? Um, uh, I'm the one. I'm the one. Yeah, I'm the one. And he says, like, I'm the one who sat in the car. I'm the one who stayed faithful, even when it would have been easier for me to walk away. Like, and he's angry and he's in pain. And it's, but it's the it, momentary. It is. Because Natalie comes in and because Natalie comes in and picks him up and says, well, turn on the light. Mm-hmm. It's, it's his, it's reactive, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. not responsive. It's rea- mm-hmm. he's, he's in a state of reaction. That's what happens mm-hmm. when we're hurt. We mm-hmm. react. Yep. Right. So when he, but act- he saves his reaction for after she leaves, which I appreciate. Yeah. And he doesn't guilt her into staying. No, no. And that's mm-hmm. what makes him a great character. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Dan is a great... All these characters are fascinating. Even Diana, who could be considered an, an antagonist. She's great in Act 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Act 2 Diana is much more likable than Act 1 Diana. Well, it becomes more about the struggle. Mm-hmm. Not about, Less about the ECT. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, see, Autumn, no hokey songs made my list this time. No lawn yeah. cutter songs. It was all. I don't know if struggle. there are lawn cutter songs, except it's going to be good. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've had that cut. I've cut the lawn to that one. <laughs> but That's it's so awesome. short that I just can't fully get into it. It's an honorable mention because I do like it. it. It is a fun honorable mention song for sure. Yeah. All right, let's get into the songs we either skip or would cut entirely. Autumn, you already said the entire score can go, so I don't know if you have anything specific you want to highlight. Okay, it's not the entire score. It is this kind of rock, like the the rock, edgy... I'm alive, I'm alive, I am so alive. Yeah, no. (laughs) Anything... (laughs) Gabe, Gabe needs to go. Yeah. Gabe, bye. Sorry, Aaron, to that, you're out. <laughs> you're dead. You're good dead. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, but like, uh, I just don't like, I just like, uh, he's not nice. I don't like it. I don't mm-hmm. like it. I don't like the trajectory. Uh, like it's, it's like Daryl Van Horn in which. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, I'm like, ugh, I don't need you here. Yeah. I mean, 
which is a beast I kind of need sterile Van Horn. But it's the yeah, same you can't have to show that thing for me. Like I'm like, mm. mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I just I don't buy it. I don't like him. I yeah. don't like the I I like the psychopharmaceutical because yes. that that dance. I don't like Diana in the the first act, like the the songs. I don't find that their struggle. I think the struggle, her struggle in the first act is obvious. I hate obvious. I hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. That's okay. those like so. For me, it just needs a rewrite. It needs a rethink because right now I just I find it teetering on dangerous. I'm not the good dangerous. Our our global podcast listeners like. <laughs> into a, a frenzy with these statements. But I just, I think if you're, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. It's like our rent conversation. It's like the Evan Hansen conversation that we will have when we do Evan Hansen. I just don't think. Mm-hmm. You can do Evan <laughs> by yourself. I, I didn't do that again. I, don't, I just don't think it's handled right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think there's a better way. Mm-hmm. And I think we've discussed the better way, so I'm not going to be redundant and discuss yeah. it again. Fair enough. G Maxwell, give us your list. First one, you already said it, Mackenzie. What? I'm alive. Ah, very good, yeah. When I appear, it's not so clear if I'm a simple spirit or I'm flesh and blood. I'm alive, I'm alive, I am so alive. And I feed on the fear that's behind your eyes. I don't like it. I also don't like Gabe. Um, I could do without him too. And this song is, I liked it when I was 14 and heard the cast recording for the first time because I liked how rock and angsty it was. But now, bye. Don't need it. So on the nose. Later. So sledgehammery. It's like, we don't need this to prove a point like, here. Just have him, you know what? I would rather him just be a physical body on stage. Just, have him just physically there. Don't I, don't have him speak. It's don't interesting. Let him speak. It's interesting watching him on stage because when you see the show up until he's not here, you think he's actually there. Yeah. Like it's not until that point where you're like, oh, he's dead. Oh, like that's the, there's the shock and the yeah. That's the big twist. Of that the story. was the big twist at the um. In the first act. And then there's the twist in the second act when mm-hmm. when Dan sees him for the first time. Yeah. Um which Autumn is like, no. <laughs> it, it kind of it kind of is though, I think, because mm-hmm. oh yeah, it is. Oh no, like, it's a twist. For yeah. sure. It's I, I was like when I was like listening to it and reading it and like going through it, I'm like, oh, Dan sees him now? What the yeah. hell is going on? It's a manifestation of him seeing his grief for the first time. And the I was fact just that he says say his son's name. Yeah, and I was just going to say that too. It's I, I was. There's kind of a couple of different ways you can look at it. It's him thinking that maybe now that Diane is gone, so is that figmentation. But it's mm-hmm. it's not. And yeah. then there's was could Dan see him the whole time, and he's just ignoring it for the past seventeen years, like. 
there's a couple of different layers I think that you can mm -hmm. look at Play it, with. but I don't know. Anyway, I don't like this. I think <laughs> it's going to see him. He should come back as a child. At the that he died. Agreed. I like that. Like you shouldn't it, see him the, the same way. Day and physical just yes. feels like a bit of a mess. It needs to know what it is. Is it a psychological thriller? Is it uh, like there's too much going on? I just can't. I'm like, what is this musical? That's all. That's that's all. Get rid of Gabe. We don't need him. We don't need it. Him, him, like what, things work better when there's not anything said or shown. Yeah. Ghost story is good when you're left wondering. Is there a ghost behind me? Will I see him? Why don't you leave the audience to see Gabe? Mm -hmm. Like if she sees him, like she sees him in a corner or growing up, we follow her on the journey. We don't need to see the manifestation of that. Mm -hmm. Way more interesting as an yeah. audience. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I will say for me, this was this section was actually tough this time. Because every time I listen to this show, I go all the way through. This is one of those shows where I'm like, I'm not just going to do a skip reel. Um, that Very being invested. said, though, I mean, that being said, though, with because um, this show has, as, as Jessica Wright pointed out, there's a lot of stuff going on. So many perspectives. And I think the one thing that I feel is so underdeveloped, I'm like, if I was a dramaturg and the first thing that had to be cut, Henry. I love Henry with all my heart. Henry is someone who I would love to play. But his A's, like, they're just highlight reels. I'm like, sink into Natalie. Don't just give me the, oh, hey, surprise, she's going on pills and doing her thing. Oh, hey, surprise, she's having a breakdown. Oh, hey, surprise, she's doing this. It's like, develop her story or cut. Like, basically, you, you, you've half-assed you've half this aspect of the story. And it makes me mad because I'm like, I'm interested, but you're just yanking me chain you're dangling a carrot in front of me so either cut it or develop it don't no develop it. him you we need to yeah. do more of him i agree i yeah. develop him like but i'm saying the way it is right now it, I, I, I guess somebody came to me and said mac here's the script this is what you got to work with we got to make edits what's on gabe. the chopping block well gabe yes but i go gabe, gabe before henry I mean, I love Henry, but you got to develop him. Where he is right now, he just feels so, like, Degrassi, teenage extra bit of story that's there to give Natalie somebody to play off of. Versus, like, let's have her talk to her dad. Let's have her do something else that's a little bit more interactive with the family than just always off with Henry doing something entirely different. It's like, get, get to the family. You don't need other people there to distract. Cut the doctor, cut Gabe, cut Henry. Just three people. Chamber musical the shit. Like, focus. So, I, like, that, like, once again, I still listen to the whole album because I like the whole story. But if I, if somebody said, Mac, you got to refine something, I'm like, either develop it further or cut it. Because right now you've half-assed it. It's half-baked right now in the story. And that just frustrates me to no end. Because I'm like, ugh! Jessica, what other songs you got on your list? Did we did we go through everyone's? Mackenzie, what was yours? I told you it hey. was the haze. Oh, it was the haze. Oh, the haze. Haze All one, the haze. two, and three. One, two, and three. Have you been on the scene? Cause you look like a mess. Thanks, I guess. 
are you clean? Well, coming from you. I don't do what you do. Okay, how did it start? But you took it too far. Oh, I took hey, it too far. Hey, Henry, don't. Are we don't do over? Don't say that we're over. Don't you want us to be? No, I want you, I knew. She's somewhere in because I like I like what they talk about, but it's just so underdeveloped. Yes, it and is. I'm just okay. like, oh, frustrating. Um, my second pick is a light in the dark. Take this chance, cause it may be our last to be free to let go of the past and to try to be husband and wife. To let love never die Or to just live our life Take my hand And let me take your heart Keep it far From what keeps us apart Let us start With the light in the dark Mmm, yeah, that one only because it's very forgettable for me. Yep. It's a sad song and it's one of Dan's vulnerable moments. But when Doesn't I look hit. at when I yeah, when I look at the mm -hmm. the cast recording and I look at the list of songs, like I had to go in and be like, how does this one go? So <laughs> Yeah. Definitely there. And I mean yeah. like also the fact it ends act one. It's such a weird, forgettable number to end act one on of all things. Yeah. There that's the problem I have with uh, this musical and even Rent, where it's like a lot of the a lot of the um, the story is relied on the song, mm -hmm. and so some songs get lost, mm -hmm. and it's like, was this necessary? Could this have just been dialogue? Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. All right, what's your number three? Because the, the Hayes were my three. Because one, two, and three. <laughs> hey, one, two, and three. <laughs> yeah. So what's your number three then? What about Autumn? Autumn just said the I've, entire score. I've just said the rest of the music. <laughs> You've just said the rest of the musical. Every every okay. Gabe song Autumn wants gone. Sure, you now, Jess. I've That's... covered them all, but hey, not <laughs> <laughs> one, two, and three. Yeah. <laughs> or develop um, them. Just do something with them because right now you listen to that album and skip the haze. Yeah. And you still get Natalie's basic story because her big songs are Superboy and the Invisible Girl and the one she sings with Diana at the end of the second act. Uh, maybe. Like, those are her two really big key points of her arc. Yeah. So you can cut all the haze and still get that arc without, yep. without something really being missed. All right. Well, my third one is There's a World. There's a world. There's a world out there. I'll show you just where. And in time, I know. Another Gabe song. Oh, oh that, I hate that. It's, That's, it's it's like it's like one song glory from Rent. Well, and I just I just don't like how it's set up because mm -hmm. the song before, I, I forget which one it is, um, Diana has a moment where she Our dream really, dance. Yeah. And it's so beautiful where she's just mm -hmm. reflecting on her son and it's so sad. Mm -hmm. 
Here's Gabe that's like the devil on the shoulder that's like, well, we can be together. You can come with me, but you have to kill yourself to do it. And it's like, oh, no. So Degrassi. God. <laughs> Could totally do without it. It's yeah. too heavy. I can't. I can't with mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. The suicide, what is the uh, name of that? There's a world. There's a world. It's, it's the music is really haunting and oh, yeah. yeah basically it takes place right after she, diana's gone through just starting to clean out the basement and she yeah. comes across the music box for the first time mm-hmm. and she has the and she imagines the dance and then there's a world is her post trying to complete suicide they found her she's in the hospital uh sedated and you got gabe there doing his thing and it's like no we don't need this cut be done too much. Sorry, Aaron, to that, you're out. It would be so interesting to have her not try to attempt suicide. I agree. <laughs> like, just after the pill flush, the doctor should be like, okay, meds aren't working. This is our last resort, ECT. That yeah. cuts four songs. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe then some. <laughs> and then some. Son coming back and saying, come on. Yeah, Ooh. no. Yeah, it feels very out of place. And it's like, what's going on with Gabe here? Why? But it's not a place for Gabe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Gabe in a way is supposed to be her, the inner mechanics, but Mm -hmm. it's so vocalized that it's not interesting. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why he's more on the rock side of things. He's out of your brain. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay, we get it. Well, now we answer the big question of, does this musical still have a place today? Should it be revived? Because we're heading into the 10-year mark here. Or now 11 years afterwards. Or, yeah, even more than that. 11, 12 years since its original run. So you could theoretically do a revival where there's been enough distance from the OG production that you could bring it back. So, Jay Maxwell, what are your thoughts? Nope. I don't think it should. Mm. I think, um, well... I, w- I would say yes for my own selfish reasons so that I could go see it on Broadway. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't think it does. Um, mm-hmm. It has not aged well, for one mm. thing. And the way that we talk about mental health, the way we treat it, the way we diagnose it has made leaps and bounds in the past 10 years. And it probably will in another 10 years. So I don't think it would land with today's audience. Uh, We've mentioned already that it could, it deserves a rewrite. There's, I don't know. I just, I don't think it does. I think I would rather see a newer, fresher take on it instead um, with more current language used in it. And mm-hmm. I, I think it, the, I, the idea of talking about bigger issues in theater, I think is always warranted and can totally mm-hmm. be done if it's done correctly. Autumn, what do you think? Should this music no. be brought back, rewritten, or should it just be left in peace? Look at, look at, it was there. It was there in 2009. 
mm-hmm. when we were at a different point of the conversation, as Jessica said, with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. solutions around mental health mm-hmm. and conversations around mental health. I think we know more now. Um, but I don't, it, it's not like 1776 mm-hmm. where we go back and we, it's, can, we can use it as an examination. I don't think mm-hmm. it has, I don't think it has that legacy. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if it was a strong musical to begin with, but we were in a period of time like from 2000 to just recently with Evan Hansen, this kind Mm. of angsty uh, musical, which Mm. I, I am going to dub them the lecture musicals (laughs) where we have something to say and we're going to say it. That's my impersonation. Spring Awakening falls into that category. That's all, that's one of Jessica's um, favorites. Yeah, yes. but it does. It falls into that. We are angsty teenagers. We're gonna, you know? And I feel like this piece was written in two different time periods. I feel like- It literally like was. And yeah, it was. <laughs> wrote act one in their teens when they were feeling angsty. Mm-hmm. And then there's a maturity that they find in the voice in act two, where it becomes very much more about the struggle mm-hmm. of the family and that dynamic. And that's way more interesting mm-hmm. because it doesn't like beat the audience over the head with mm-hmm. the sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it is an interesting conversation and mental mm-hmm. health is an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. I just think there are ways to approach it mm-hmm. that cinema does really well that mm-hmm. we could be doing a musical theater the problem is with musical theater people think that as soon as it's got music it needs to have this epicness to it mm-hmm. it doesn't it can be simple fun home great fun mm-hmm. home is magic right mm-hmm. um uh, falsettos again yeah. falsettos like deals with the aids crisis in a way that rent could never even dream of dealing with the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. Musicals need to be moved away from the music and they need to go back to the book. And they need mm-hmm. to go, what do I want to say with this? How am I saying it? Is the way that I am saying it effective? Mm-hmm. And am I inviting my audience into the journey or am I giving them something? Mm-hmm. And go to the invitation. Because you know what? Otherwise, it's just suburbanites wanting a night out of the theater. And we don't Mm -hmm. want that. That is not what theater is there for. Theater is there to stimulate conversation and uh, foster curiosity. My answer is no. Okay. All right. I will say yes. Oh, it was a reluctant yes. (laughs) It's a reluctant yes, because I think if you're going to bring it back, you have to do rewrites. Rewrite this, because uh, what their names? Um, Dorky and Kit. Dorky and Kit. Dorky and Kit have shown they're not afraid of rewriting this piece. I mean, when the show wasn't received well the first time off Broadway, what did they do? They went back and rewrote it and cut, cut a bunch of stuff. And they have no, they had no worry. Or I, I don't know if they did have worries. I mean, they probably did have some type of worry, but they were willing to go back and rework the piece again. So for me, I go. Because we're now so open about talking about mental health, which we weren't in 2009. 2009 was 
not the mental health thing that we talk about now. I mean, 2009, that was like, that was an entirely different era of Broadway musicals that were, had a different hot topic focus. This was ahead of its time in a, in a way, the fact that in 2009, you had a musical willing to talk about this and make it the forefront of the story. Um, so for, and I think now if it came out, it would be even bigger in its reception because people are now wanting to talk about this topic. So I think, once again, I think you got to rewrite, like cut a lot of act one shit, up act two a bit and let the show live there. Cause that's where the meat of the story is Develop Natalie further, keep act two in the stronger spot it is, cut a majority of act one. That's what you got to do and cut it down to 90 minutes. But isn't it too late to rewrite it? It's already won words. Autumn. Yeah, probably. Autumn, you have said to me, the journey is never over. You, no, it's piece not. is never perfect. You can always go back and rework and rework. Yes, yes but will they- like, look, at, uh, look at Merrily We Roll Along. Look at, uh, what are some of the other big ones we have? Perfect. Like- you need to be rewritten. Yeah, but people keep rewriting Merrily We Roll. People keep reworking that piece. Well, they shouldn't. The it is a perfect musical. Leave it alone. <laughs> There's no definitive version. There, and we talked about a few shows that have not had definitive versions of it. We have try, we try to need a major it. rewrite. This would need a major do it. I overhaul. think go for it. And then it wouldn't be next to normal anymore. It would be something different. So just write a new musical. So yeah, what but I know it's like some of the music they've written. I want to. I want to. I, I want to. I want to keep some of the music. Because I think there's good pieces there. They just need to rework the story, refine it some more. Like yeah. there's, so, and I think this would work really well on film because you can do a lot of stuff on film with like Dana looks in the mirror, Gabe's there, she, like Dan walks by, Gabe isn't there. There's so many more cinematic tricks you can do to have a presence there without actually having a presence there. Like yeah. there's so much more cinema you can play with, and I think once again the story works if you just walked into a. a um suburb house and filmed it in a suburb i just go yeah. into a house and film it in there it's a small contained story like i have, have so some really many suburban homes for offer up here perfect <laughs> like i think this piece does have something you can still talk about like once again you just got to update some of the so i mean ect is still done it's not like it's not something that's pra- that's stopped medication is still being given so the so the stuff is still being done it's just it's talked about differently. So you got to update it a bit differently. Just like any show that gets revived, sometimes you do have to change some of the language. I mean, South Pacific and King and I, when they just got revived, they cut a bunch of stuff to make it more applicable for the time. So bring it back. Let's rework it some more. I think this is a piece of work that shouldn't just be shelved and never talked about again. I think this is a piece that has a unique story that isn't told. See, so, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, Mac. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, just, yeah. you can't, this is not one that you can fix and call the same name. All right. Yeah. I mean, once again, it's a, it, once again, it, once again, it is, it, it is a reluctant yes. Cause I think the concept is good. It's got to do some heavy, heavy roots. And if that means you got to change the name, I mean, call it feeling electric if you wanted to. I actually like that. I actually mm-hmm. like that name because yeah. it's but then i think billy elliott well that and that's what beat next to normal that year at the tonys 
for Best Musical. Well, everybody, on that note, let's wrap this episode up. Because, you know, like we want to hear your thoughts and your feelings about this musical. Leave us a comment. Send us a message. Don't send us hate. We'd rather have a conversation with you. If you disagree, so be it. Not a problem. Everybody's got a different perspective. It's, it's like Jessica and I on Rent. And look at that. We've still been friends for over a decade with each other. So, yes. You can still be friends and disagree about a show. <coughs> it's true. Yeah. That makes good conversation, friends. Exactly. That's what theater is all about. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, there we go. G Maxwell, where can people find and follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at jstephmax. I have a blog called soundsaboutright.com, mm-hmm. but right mm-hmm. is spelled W-R-I-T-E because we love a pun. Yes. Um, yeah, that's where you can find And what me. about Jim? Can, can they follow Jim? <laughs> my cat on his catagram. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. I wish, oh, I wish he was like right here. He's large orange tabby. Sitting on the couch sleeping. Jim the <laughs> underscore cat. If you want to follow a large chunky tabby in his journey. <laughs> it's a very good page, I have to say. It makes my day. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> Something silly to do. Yeah. There we go. Uh, perfect. We will find the next appearance for Jessica Maxwell. If you have a musical you want her to come and talk about, let us know. <laughs> Who knows? It may have to be- Hopefully I know it. <laughs> Spring Awakening. Spring Awakening. Another musical where Autumn and Dis- disagree. <laughs> no, we don't think we disagree. I think we just have different opinions and that's good. We value each other's opinions. Mackenzie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So, okay, right. All right, fine. Spring Awakening. One of my least favorite musicals. We will talk about it. Ooh. <laughs> you get to come on for all the goodies, Jess. This yeah. is great. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yes, uh, perfect. Uh, also, we want to give a quick shout out. Thank you to Mr. Brody Weld, uh, who wrote our wonderful theme music, who recently moved to a new spot in Hamilton. He's an avid gardener, as well as he's continuing to write his music. He's got a he's got some new albums out. So check them all out there at Father Flows Us on all listening platforms: Bandcamp, Apple Music, Spotify. All that good stuff. Give it a listen. Um, there. Uh, you also can follow us at Before the Debbie on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, check us out. Follow us there. Follow us on Patreon where you can get more in-depth conversations. You also can get movie musical commentaries. You can listen to that. Top 10 list. Maybe we'll do a top 10 list of Alice Ripley performances. Who knows? <laughs> we'll have to figure that out. But there we go, everybody. Uh, Autumn, where can they find and follow your antics in your busy life? At Autumn DM Smith, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Littlewood Smith, Facebook, Instagram, and Timber Beast, mm. Facebook and Instagram. Love it. That's it. Love it. That's all. I saw you were doing something with Muskoka Pride. You were sharing some cool stuff there. Yes, I was on the jury for this year's Muskoka Queer Film Festival. Awesome. Look at we you. had films from across the globe. And the one that won actually was a brilliant film with hardly any dialogue called Sunday by Arun Valara. Valara. From, Very good. Uh, Dubai. 
Brilliant. Film. Brilliant. Love that. Love that. Uh, you can find, follow me at Mackenzie Horner, all social media platforms. You also can follow all my antics at Cup of Hemlocks YouTube page, where we have all types of fun reviews. We just did a review of Into the Woods, where we broke down the 2010 Regent Park production. Uh, we also talk about Showboat. We've done a Les Mis review of all the, of all the concerts. Uh, we've done, we also did the Nutcracker Ballet. That's proving to be very popular for some reason. People wanted to hear us talk about ballet, of all things. Um, but there we go. But yeah, you can find, follow me there. And everybody, in the meantime, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Before the Downbeat. Thanks, everybody. I don't need a life that's normal That's way too far away But something next to normal would be okay Yes, yeah, something next to normal That's the thing I'd like to try Close enough to normal To get by Get up.